Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of London Calling, our very own property podcast brought to you by Corico Professional Mortgage Advisors. My name is Monty, you know the drill by now, and I'm your host to guide you through and investigate the very latest in the world of mortgages, property and the general financial world. This is London Calling. So here we are again and we find ourselves in a rather extraordinary period. Forgetting that overseas Trump is facing off against a rocket man and generally upsetting pretty much everyone whilst actually doing pretty much nothing, here in Blighty we're in the middle of party conference season. Whilst Labour have been skipping and smiling, the Tories have been jaded and poor Theresa May been put through the ringer whilst political bruiser Boris Johnson causes mayhem in the wings and the new favourite Rhys Mogg enjoys his newfound stardom. Housing has been in the headlines, but the most we seem to have is rent controls from Labour and another £10 billion for help to buy from the Tories, plus the possibility of a few more council houses. Is the housing crisis just as simple as supply and demand and building more homes? And what is affordable these days anyway? Meanwhile, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee have dropped a very strong hint that rates will change. The perennial crier of Wolf Carney may have done this before, but what was different from the usual ramblings this time was the whole tone of the rhetoric. To chat about all these things and a whole lot more, I am again humbled to have the veritable minefield of information where all things property is concerned in Ed Mead, a property expert with uh, over, I think it says on your bio, more than, is it 43 years of experience? No, that's or? please, please, 38. <laughs> 38, sorry, 38. Um, and a founder of Vuba, but more of that a bit later. Um, so I thought, Ed, we'd look at various topics and questions today. Some people have asked on Twitter and some on email, as well as delving into the press. Um, but I want to start with something I know that you are particularly close to. Um, I read something today, it's a, a tweet I read, online estate agents, whilst their market share has increased by 19% in the last quarter, they only account for 5.4% of all exchanges. Are they actually the, the, the threat that we thought they would be? Uh, and if so, what can a traditional bricks and mortar estate agent do to stay relevant in the digital age? Uh, well, first of all, the 19% is obviously an increase in the figure that was there before. So don't think for one second yeah. that the online estate agents have suddenly got 19% of the market. That would <laughs> yeah. frighten quite a few of our estate agent reading um, listeners, estate agent listeners. Um, but I, I think what I'd do is I'd come back to say that there. And a lot, so much has changed since you and I last sat here doing this. Yeah. And I think that back then, um, which to be fair was only a few months ago, um, the decisions between whether you, between what would, were called high street agents, traditional agents and online agents was very binary. People thought that online agents were just online and, and yeah. high street agents were, were normal estate agents. And the truth is now very much in between. There are an awful lot of people out there. I mean, there are some incredibly important things that have happened since we last spoke. Um, a massive increase in the number of local property experts that Purple Bricks have got. Yeah. Um, Easy Property have done a deal with the Guild of Professional Estate Agents, which right. represent 800 estate agents all over the country, to provide uh, services for a direct offering from Easy Property, which can then be upsold into the Guild members' um, high street right. offerings. Right, wow. Um, LSL, the third biggest chain of estate agents in the UK, uh, have just dropped 20 million quid into Yopa. And allegedly, they're not even the biggest investor in this round. <laughs> right. uh, Savills, of course, have already got a, a well-publicised stake in Yopa, who are now, I think, probably in the number two position. 
And I think as importantly, uh, there are an enormous number of networks because in my capacity as view, as as a founder of Viewber, we found that an awful lot of these um, platforms which are being produced are going to give the opportunity for ordinary, ordinary, he says in inverted commas, independent <laughs> yeah. high street estate agents to, to offer a direct offering to the public that rivals the sort of purple bricks, easy property, Yopa style offerings. Mm whilst then offering whoever takes the direct offerings the opportunity to upsell to a traditional high street offering yeah. by paying fees. So they can yeah. offer a fixed fee to start with. If they don't like that or they get stuck at some point, they can then upsell into the 1.5%. Because an awful lot of people have been very confused by everything that's been going on with this, mm. this online high street type um, debate. And, of course, they now know a lot more because all of these companies aforementioned, especially Purple Bricks, now spend tens of millions of pounds mm. on advertising on TV. So most people now know that there is an alternative. Mm. They don't have to necessarily go by the, the high street offering. But uh, some people are suspicious of it. Obviously, Purple Bricks have had their fair share of um, bad criticism as well. Well, they have. But I think that a lot of people like what Purple Bricks are offering from the point of view of they, they feel that the, uh, the industry is ready for a change, number one. Um, some of the stuff they've introduced is very slick. They're, they're communications platforms, mm -hmm. the ability for people to communicate with what's going on on the process in, in their process of selling, buying, uh, whatever it is, is done online. It's very, it's, it's very slick. It's very easy. The difficulty comes with the fact that it's basically because of their lack of local property expert numbers all over the country. It can become a sort of DIY exercise. Yeah, and it sounds great if you turn around and say, "Great, I'm going to pay a thousand pounds to sell my house." That sounds fine. But number one, it's paid up front mm -hmm. with a lot of these online agents, so you don't get it back if it doesn't sell. Um, and number two, if there's a problem with the deal at any point, you're on your own. And anybody who's listening who's tried to buy or sell their own property knows that dealing with solicitors, mortgage companies and everything else, I mean, it's partly what, yeah, what well, you cash in, obviously, yeah, is the mortgage absolutely. side. On the property side, 80% of the work that goes into selling a property starts from when an offer is agreed. The easy bit is getting the offers. That's the easy bit. So coming back to your original question, I think there there clearly has been an increase in the number of or in the share of the online sector, mm. but the the way the online sector looks is changing. So, do you see a lot of the tradi traditional estate agents just in in a few years' time they just won't be able to compete compete? And how how do they go about trying to uh, to hold on to to their share? Well, I think the biggest problem that a lot of estate agents have is that they're not particularly tech savvy. <laughs> you know, I mean, the way that people sell houses um, ha has not changed no. in the 37, no. 38 years I've been yeah. doing this. So 1979 to now, it's more or less exactly the same. Uh, people talk about Zoopla and Rightmove as being, you know, what's changed. Well, all they are really is extensions of the Sunday Times. Yeah. They're just a way of advertising your properties much more slickly, mm -hmm. but nevertheless advertising. So there is an awful lot out there that's ready to, to change. So from that perspective, the online estate agents um, are looking for ways of really getting local expertise because their, their problem is that they can see um, the... Um, the efficacy of people doing that, doing something online, people can see that. What yep. they can't do necessarily is get the value of the property sorted out. Mm. They don't have someone local that's available to help push the deals through. So from that perspective, um, I think the the future, as I see it, is definitely somewhere in the middle. Yep. I think you'll have a, 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 a brand of the high street which deals with full fee, full service model at the, at the top end of the market. Mm. But I think all other people want is a choice. If they want to do it themselves, they can do it themselves. If at any point they trip yeah, up, absolutely. they want to be able to upsell. 
uh, and turn around to the agent and say, right, I've got my buyer. I can't deal with it. You've had a grand from me. I'll pay the extra grand or whatever it is to take my fee up to one and a half percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen similar things in the mortgage industry, obviously. Um, some in incredible changes, really, from the from the new breed of, of uh, brokers, online mortgage brokers that are coming through. Um, the good thing is that they're spending money in advertising because I, I don't believe that a lot of people actually really understand what a mortgage broker does. So they're, they're starting to generate this debate about what is a mortgage broker. But is it, can do. I ask you, is it as binary as people think the online thing is? I mean, is it going to be that everybody can get their mortgage online? Is that the way it's going to be? Um, I personally don't think so. And it's really interesting to see the shift in the messaging that has come out from these companies. Um, so when they first come out, it was very much, it's going to be an end-to-end -end online system. You're never going to have to speak to a human. Um, we have artificial intelligence, which is going to make all these decisions for you and take you through the process really slick and easily. And you're going to come out with this, uh, this great mortgage offer. Um, and it's interesting to see the messaging now as they've immersed themselves into the mortgage market and started to understand the very nature of of advice and and certainly how people work when faced with well probably the most the, the biggest loan that they're ever going to take out ever um people want that extra peace of mind just to say okay well actually have i made the right decision and if you look at how someone like habito for example who i think have done a, a really good job they've got a great brand and great messaging um they're now actually putting a human being still at the centre of that process. So it's very ma much a marriage, something we've always said at, at Corico, between the tech doing the heavy lifting, but actually you still have that professionalism of, of But is a, the person that's being put in the middle that you mentioned there, the human being put back in, is that a call centre human being or is it a... is it a real expert? It's a broker, it's a qualified broker. Okay. Um, now whether that's, that's obviously someone who sat in, in their office or in a call centre environment, uh, um, I yep. couldn't say. But I think um, it is vital to yeah. have that human element Absolutely. just so you can say, is yeah. this really what I need to be doing mm. and have it answered by a voice rather than a... Yeah, and that's something we're, we're very keen of doing at Corico. We've got um, uh, hopefully some some uh, new changes coming out very soon which will, which will enable our consumers to actually come to us and decide to work with us however however they want. That's sort of where we want to be. We want to be able to provide the option for the client to come to us. Maybe it's starting off on their mobile. Maybe it's starting off via live chat. Maybe it's doing a self-select process. Um, but very much having the opportunity to speak to a broker whenever and however they want to. Yeah. So they get the benefits of the tech experience, but with that extra tick of advice. And sometimes people, especially when they go direct to a bank and just go online, they don't quite realise what they're giving up. They're giving up their right to complain. They're giving up their access to the um, compensation scheme. And they don't quite realise that. So again, it's a sort of combination, really. It's, it's, it's amazing the similarities between what's happening in the, in the mortgage world and the property selling world. Yeah. Um, again, people want to be able to communicate and have choice. And the, I'm always amazed by the fact that it's the banks who always have the very, very worst customer satisfaction and communication. <laughs> yeah. Getting a hold of anybody within a bank is absolutely impossible, yet they're the ones that still... I mean, are they still the ones, the main high street banks, are they still the ones that lend the most money? Um, well, I mean, if you look at... There were new figures out today. Uh, which said that the broker share of the mortgage market is now up to 80%. 80%. So that tells you something. Now, that's a little bit misleading because there's a 
a big part of the market which isn't counted there, and that's the product transfer market. So if you think the mortgage market is around about 240 billion, broker's share of that is, a, is, a, is around about 80%, but there's a further 100 billion, uh, which is product transfers, which is where people just switch over their mortgage um, from one rate to another with the same lender, and that hasn't been reported in the same way. Mm. Um, so there's a there's a big market there. There's a bit a bit of danger that a lot of people are doing things um, just quickly and easily when they should be taking advice. When you come to product, when you come to the end of your product, it's really important not just to think about the uh, the cheapest rate at that point because yeah. it might be that actually you can reduce the term. Um, it might be that you're on an interest only and now you can afford to uh, do part of the loan on a repayment basis. Um, or it might be you've amassed some savings. You can look at an offset mortgage, which are existing. So that's not counted. So, necessarily so at the moment. all of this is is, is really. But of really course, the difference for you guys, Mon, is that is that you're you're qualified. Yes. The difference with the online sector and the difficulties with the with the with the estate agency sector is that it's you don't ha it's not regulated. You don't have to be qualified. Yeah. So I think there is an element here of concern about the um, about the licensing issue, and it was something that I know there were a couple of questions that one or two that came in online well, there was or one, via Twitter. There was one on yeah, there was one on Twitter that said, "Do you think agents should be regulated?" And I think that's a. Uh, I mean, it's the. It seems to be mostly a question actually that estate agents are now asking more <laughs> yeah. than the more than the consumers. Yeah, I think a lot of consumers can't believe that estate agents no, aren't regulated. No, absolutely, and actually, the only necessity for estate agents is, is that they. Um, they register with the redress scheme. Yep. I, mean, I sit on the board of the property ombudsman. They're by far and away the biggest. 90, 95% of all agents are, are members. But the TPO is not a regulator. Mm. So one of the problems when people come and, and they talk to the agents is they don't realise that they could be someone who just set up yesterday, whereas obviously from the mortgage point of view, uh, they, they know they're talking to someone who's qualified. Yeah. But um, where it's vaguely topical and where you talked about the conference season at the moment, Sajid Javid did say on uh, a couple of days ago um, in one of his in his speech, not the most interesting speech in the world, but nevertheless, <laughs> in his speech, he did say that they're going to, the government is now going to be licensing lettings agents. Now, yes. that's a really big deal. Yeah. Because in terms of what happens with complaints to the property ombudsman, lettings are by far and away the fastest rising part of that. Letting is an emotional, very quick mm. process. Um, and, the, and the fact that people can set up, take money. I mean, the worst possible scenario is someone sets up turns around, pretends they got a flat to rent, takes 20 deposits yeah, off people absolutely. who pretend they're going to, who, who they say are going to be able to get it and yeah. then disappears off into the sunset. Yeah. So um, that's really good news. That's a big and change. And the letting agents generally, they're, they're supportive of that. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. I mean, it's, 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 it's the usual sketch. It doesn't matter whether you're in the mortgage business or the estate agency business. There are, there are some rotten apples somewhere, that, yeah, one or two that yeah. give everybody a bad name. Yeah. Um, and the estate agency business in general, the, the property ombudsman satisfaction figures for their surveys they do are off the scale. I mean, they're sort of 90 95% uh, satisfaction. So clearly most people are quite happy with what goes on. Now, whether that's going to change with the online sector, I think there is a very big mm. question about service levels uh, where you uh, don't necessarily have um, uh, qualified members doing the dis dispensation of advice or yeah. as head of office and that sort of thing. I mean, when you've got young guys turning up as local property experts, uh, I mean, there were some very telling figures out the other day, just to come back to that sector. The average um, area for a, for a Purple Bricks local property expert is 60 square miles. Right. The average for a normal estate agent is three 
I was going to say, yeah, so 60 an average, is massive. 60 is a huge area. You cannot be an expert <laughs> on 60 miles. So if someone gets you in and says, what's it worth? You can still go to your local estate agents and get some idea. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, when you're selling your house, it's not about what the other houses in the street sold for. That gives you historical perspective. What an estate mm. agent is meant to do is to make the market. So there needs to be a separate algorithm that tells you what the demand is like. If that was all going to be automated, it mm. needs to be supply side as well as demand side. Yeah. And so just because you you you're prob- you think your property is worth 250 grand, if you're English and you don't like talking about money and someone walks to the door and offers <laughs> you 225, you're going to go, oh, yeah, OK. Whereas an estate agent or a, or a good local yeah. property expert might say, well, actually, do you know what? We've got 20 people booked in to see this this week. So let's just wait and see what happens. Yeah. But thank you for your bid. And they may get 275. Yeah. They only could be 50 grand out of pocket. So there's a huge disparity in what is and isn't possible with these with, with, with all these changes. So to have the person who's dispensing that advice licensed should be a no-brainer. Yeah. And the fact that lettings agents are, start, are going to start being licensed is great because they handle money and they're the ones that are dealing with people on an immediate day-to-day basis. Estate agents should definitely be licensed. Mm. So are you seeing a, a, a change in the nature of house buying and selling from from the general public? Are they are they, um, are they just get, getting sucked into uh, lower fees? or? Well, their expectation levels for service is definitely higher. Mm. Social media has been a big... I mean, you know, you, you and I are both players of the social media game. And Please. when you do, you, you take a risk. Yeah. Because if you do Absolutely. something wrong or you say something stupid, yeah. it's immediately obvious to thousands yeah. of people. I've and been that told will, a few times. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, you're not alone there. And, and so I think these days um, the ability for someone to complain on social media, it gives you a whole new... I mean, it's no coincidence in the nicest possible way that Foxton's only joined Twitter about six <laughs> months ago. I mean, that's not meant to imply anything, by the way. Very impressive company. Um, but nevertheless, it's... Um, so I think the way that people interact with their estate agents these days is is changing also from a communication perspective. And I think yeah. that's partly why Purple Bricks have penetrated the market, mm. is because people like being able to get home from work and at 8 o'clock go onto their yeah, platform absolutely. and communicate what's been going on and ask questions. Yeah. They really like that. Why yeah. should people have to shoehorn their property buying and selling experience yeah. into the hours of daylight like like they've done for 50 or 60 years yeah. when, when you've got this perfectly, it's something called the internet you can actually <laughs> use to communicate. So I think as as the age of buyers and 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 the importance of young renters increases. Agents are going to have to change the way that they communicate. And obviously part of the reason that I left a successful company, Douglas & Gordon, to go and set up Viewber, which is just an outsourced viewing service. Mm. So we do inspections and viewings with a network of people all over the country on behalf of estate agents out of hours or at peak periods. And it's grown very, very quickly. And a lot of agents now, hundreds of agents now use us because they recognise that... So you're able to get that tap into going back to that local knowledge bit. Yeah. I mean, people who live locally are happy to go along and just open a door for an agent when they can't Mm. get there. Second, third, fourth viewings. You know, when people buy properties, they will go and see it four or five times. They'll take Mm. Aunt Madge, mother, (laughs) father-in-law, the decorators. You know, do you really want... So the estate agents are are, are having to think about different ways in which they can uh, skin the pie. And I suppose the other thing I would say about about the interactions with the industry is people are, as you say, getting much more savvy about fees. You you mentioned that. And and if if they think they can sell for a £1,000, they're much more reticent about saying yes to 2%. So there's much more of that. So what you've got is more agents, um, less numbers of transactions, so you've got a smaller pie and more and more agents and the fees are going down. So it's it's not a great outlook at the Mm. moment for most agents. 
And of course, there's been a, a, it hasn't been helped by a lot of the, the, the headlines at the moment that um, finally London house prices look as if they're, they're falling. Is, it, is, that, is that just asking prices or is, uh, I mean, the Nationwide have come out and said that actually it's the first time in eight years that um, London house prices have actually fallen. Well, I know it's always um, a massive surprise to people that prices do come down as well as go <laughs> yes, up. Yes, I know. Um, yeah. But but the fact of the matter is the dip, the the gap between asking prices and and selling prices is is the widest it's been for some time. Yeah. As people are forced to sell for a bit less than they would have liked. Um, but but there has been a shift. You know, people are. And bear in mind, this is against a backdrop of continuing low interest rates. So you yeah. would have thought that people would be happy to borrow and spend the money and everything else. But as you well know, borrowing isn't – yes, it might be cheap, but it's not necessarily easy. There are still no. plenty of hoops you've got to yeah. jump through to get your mortgage. Um, and I think the other thing that's created that issue is that it is the significant over, oversupply of new homes. Yeah. And I think that has probably helped in London to drive down prices a little mm. bit or at least the nationwide average because those figures definitely – the new build sector is definitely a little bit weaker than the second-hand home sector. Mm. I would have said the second-hand hand, – if you t- if you stripped out new homes, I would suggest that prices are probably still creeping up, right. adding okay. new That's homes, and I think they've fallen back a little bit. That's very interesting. And um, so uh, going back to the uh, the conference season, I just glanced down at the evening standard today. It says uh, – Theresa May, my dream of homes for all. Um, so they've announced an extra ten billion for for help to buy, um, a much criticised scheme um, that has nonetheless helped a lot of people. It's it's, it's helped something like one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand people get onto the property ladder, albeit that a very small percentage within London itself. It's mainly outside of London it's worked. Um, but the critics say that obviously it's a it's a helped to spike demand which has helped to drive up prices in fact shelter came out and uh, i've got it here somewhere that they, they said that um it's added it's pushed the, up the price of an average house by eight thousand two hundred and fifty pounds um which has helped to cause which to is cause issues 4%. in the market so i i think that's probably that's probably true um and i can't see why there's such a, a focus on the demand side <laughs> It seems to me, I mean, what it's done is, yes, it may have pushed house prices up a little bit, which doesn't really help anybody. Um, but of course, uh, what people really want to do is to be able to to afford is to be able to afford to buy houses. Yeah. So I think it's 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 helped some people buy, but more importantly, it's made the house builders it's put their share prices up. Yeah. Um, because obviously it's been a bit of a lifeline to them because the majority of the of the help to buy has gone on the mm. new build and equity um, extra equity loan schemes for the new build. Yeah. So, um, so do I just do you think it's time? Sorry to to just uh, actually we need to start weaning ourselves off this medicine before before we do get addicted. Well, I mean, another ten billion in an ideal world they should be putting sold? a matching ten, twenty, thirty. I think she mentioned a figure of about twenty five billion, whatever it was, that to go into affordable home. Purchase. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. I mean, you know, we can sit here and talk. How many times I've been here? Three, four, five times in the past yeah, with you. Absolutely. Every time one talks about supply, <laughs> when we sit on LBC doing our thing, it's about yeah. supply. Clive Bull says, you know, what's the answer? It's supply. You know, why? I don't understand. You know, it's 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 supply, stupid. It should be all that should be the mm. mantra. So, and it's no coincidence if you look at any of the graphs that when and it was Margaret Thatcher that really started the fall off in in council funding of affordable yeah. housing. There is almost none mm. at the moment. And it's no coincidence that as that's fallen away, the average price of a house has gone up, which has made a lot of Tory voters feel pretty good and everyone else feel 
a bit naffed yeah. off. So from that perspective, it's definitely time to redress that balance. But it is about balance. It's not about demand. It's about supply. Yeah. So it's as simple as that. Naffed off. That's a, that's a <laughs> phrase you don't hear often <laughs> nowadays. Well, it's, it's one that hopefully you can get out on your podcast. <laughs> there you go. And uh, on the... Uh, uh, well, Tories have been struggling, have, having their issues. And uh, um, the... Uh, well, the Labour conference looked like a, a bit of a celebration, really. Everyone patting, even though they didn't win, everyone patting each other on the back and saying, we're now a government in waiting. Um, and one of the main things they came out with was, was that old chestnut of rent controls. Do they, do they work or do they cause as, as many problems as they Well, the last time sold? rent controls came in, um, the number of private rented sector properties in the market dropped by 90%. <laughs> So uh, that was a long time ago. That was yeah. 80 years ago. Yeah. But the fact is, people thought, well, what's the point of investing in mm. property in, in that stage? And people did invest in property back then. People did. You know, you had a lot of people who, who owned properties. Yeah. It wasn't all slum landlords. Yeah. You know, there were a lot yeah, of people yeah. who provided perfectly reasonable housing. So I think there'll be every danger of exactly the same thing happening again. And having local politicians setting the rents for an area is when areas can consist of all sorts of different housing it's just not a. It's just not a helpful prospect. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, if they wanted to do, if they wanted to use this magic money tree that they've got somewhere, they want to use it to build lots of homes yeah. rather than worry about rent controls. Um, but of course, rent controls, telling people that you're going to deal with their student debt is a great way of. Mm. of I'm trying to find the right word to describe it, but to persuade young voters to vote Labour. Yeah. Uh, the majority of whom weren't around the last time this sort of thing happened. Yeah. You know. Um, and I think, you know, I've listen, I, I don't want to give away which way I vote, but I wouldn't necessarily think that just because Jeremy Corbyn's put on a dark suit and shaves his beard a bit shorter means that things that things have suddenly changed dramatically. So um, I think there's still an ideological battle there being fought. Yeah. And if you talk to the kind of people who uh, put money into these sort of markets, mm. um, they're absolutely terrified by the idea of a, of a Jeremy Corbyn win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they themselves have said they've modelled various uh, economic <laughs> yes solutions. Yeah, uh, and they, I think yeah. they have. But I mean, you know, maybe they're modelling their economic plans over here whilst busily buying a property in France yeah. or something. <laughs> um, I mean, I do think that there is a um, there's a battle to be fought. Um, as it's so easy, isn't it? Always, I, I think part of the the frustration I always feel about about dealing with politicians, and I've had the good fortune, misfortune to deal with some politicians in the past to advise some of them. And it's the short-termist nature of the way they look. Absolutely. You know, if only someone could take a 10-year, 20-year yeah. view. But, of course, you can't yeah. because in two years' time, all your focus goes yeah. on to winning the next election. Yeah, well, how many housing ministers have we had in the last I think it's 14 decade. in the last 19 it's years or something. Absolutely I absolutely mean, crazy. How can is. you have any kind of consistency? And they're not in the cabinet. And Yes, absolutely. So it's and, a really, it's, it's a bit of a dog's breakfast. Yeah. Um, so, just a reminder that you're listening to London Calling, the property podcast from Corico Professional Mortgage Brokers. Um, interest rates. Well, I, I, <laughs> you're always the arbiter of that because, of course, you're the one that knows what's happening to five-year swaps. So, you, you, tell, you tell the listeners what's happening. Well, what's happening? Well, I mean, we've seen, um, we've seen Governor Carney come out and, and say that he thinks that the time is nigh for interest rate rises, finally. He has said um, it before, He's though, said he? it before a few times, yeah. which has led to the tag of being a rather unreliable boyfriend, um, famously tagged with. Um, this time, as I said in the introduction, really, I think the uh, 
the sort of the tone of, of the conversation has changed. Um, they do seem a lot more serious. You've got people who have never really said that the time is right for interest rate rises now saying it. People with more dovish tendencies are now coming out and saying that, yeah, actually, we think the time is right to start rise, rising rates very soon. Um, and the latest poll I read that most economists now think there's a 90% chance of a, of a rate rise in November. Um, albeit it'll only be a quarter of a percent and a lot of people say that's just reversing the cut they made some time back. Well, the, the other doom will say that's a do doubling that. of interest rates. Well, of they? course, that's how it will be <laughs> yeah. uh, put in the press. If I was a headline writer, I'd, I'd say the same thing. Um, the problem is that you've got a whole generation of people, um, whether that's buyers, property owners, mortgage brokers, estate agents, regulators, and people in government who've never experienced a rate rise. Um, so there are a lot of people who are close to the edge at the moment, um, even with the fact that interest rates are so low. So any type of increase will be a shock to the system. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that shock works through. Um, and whether it does indeed lead people to actually stop spending and think, oh, my God, this is this is a start. It's going to going to go up a lot quicker than we expected, which I don't think it will. Um, and we've seen five year swap rates and three year swap rates, especially really increase massively since those comments. What do you call massively? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so they've oh you put me on the spot now. <laughs> no, but roughly, I mean, you know, are we talking? I mean, we're not talking whole one percent gains. You're talking about sort of point one, point two, point three percent. I mean, certainly, I know every time I've remortgaged, interest rates go down. Yeah, you know, and a couple of years ago, I re renewed a five year mortgage at X, and needless to say, days later, the rates were X minus half a percent or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they're coming up again now, I mean, I know that. Certainly, you were seeing two-year fixes at under one percent. Yeah, I um, mean now it, we're looking at five-year money, which is which is over one percent again, um, where it was about 0.79. It, it's now so that's fifty percent higher than yeah, it was. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a it's a big jump, um, and what we've seen already is even before the Bank of England have made any changes that has already played through to mortgage lenders and the products that they're offering. So at the end of last week, we saw about six or seven lenders already pull their mortgage rates and reprice Yeah, there was quite a lot of publicity around that. Yeah. There was quite a lot of press around the fact that the yeah. really cheap deals have now gone. They, yeah. People have missed the boat. But, you know, we say really cheap deals have gone. They haven't. You know, the, the 0.99 fix for two years, which was crazy, yes, that's gone. But you can still get 1.19 fixed for two years so it's it's not the end of the world it really hasn't changed a lot that the problem is that it's it's a prelude the perception is it's a prelude to the next rate change and then the next rate change and as soon as that starts feeding into the system um, mortgage rates start to move up and there's a hell of a lot of people who have just sat on their hands and and not really bothered to do anything um, because they're quite happy, the rates affordable, um, and they, they haven't need to worry. There are a lot of but people the new stuck stress on testing, variable rates. But the new stress testing does allow for an increase in rates, doesn't it? If you're getting a mortgage now, one of the tests they give you 
is to say, could you afford it if interest rates were 5% or 3%? Well, I mean, uh, uh, the new stress tests actually stress higher than that. So um, they're, they're meant to stress at at least a 3% rise above okay, so the variable rate. So, so that's a bit of a So it's around about... Uh, most, most lenders are stressing around about 6 to 7% already at the moment. Because the thing is, you say that an increase from 0.99% to 1.19, but actually that's a 20% increase. Yeah, Going well, from point course, nine, yeah, you know, exactly. so, so if you're yeah. paying £1,000 yeah. a month on your mortgage at the moment or whatever it is, yeah. that's 1200 So that can tip somebody, even that yeah. little tiny increase. Absolutely. So heaven knows yeah. what it would be like. Yeah, and, that, and that's part right. of the problem because people have been so used to this low-rate environment, even the small change, it does make a difference yeah. now, that extra few quid a month. Um, but it is the, the it is the archetypal question, isn't it? We're <laughs> saying what's going to happen, you know, what's Carney going to do? And the trouble is he said it so often. It, it, you know, again, we've discussed this often before, but it's been the last lever he's got is to imply that he's about to do something. Yeah. So when you say that there are more, more of the dovish types who are doing it, I mean, do we know where the vote is in the MPC at the moment? I mean, is it is it five? I've got how many of them are there? Is it eight, nine? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the, the last one was five two, but they were they were missing a, a member. But um, I I think it I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be really close. Um, it's re it's so hard to call. Are they allowed really to shift with a simple call. majority? By the way, if it was for uh, all, and I don't know whether well, Carney has himself the having a vote. vote. Yeah, so. Carney would have the casting vote, is my understanding okay. in, so in that situation. It's, it's interesting that ninety um, percent. You commentators saying there's a ninety percent chance of a rise in November. Yeah. That's next month. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So it'll be really interesting to see. You know, as I say, the markets have already priced the rate rise in. Um, mortgage lenders have already priced the rate rise in. Um, so there's sort of nothing for them to lose. I think the problem they've got now, they've talked about it for so long and so vehemently this time, that if they don't do it, they really don't do it yet again, the markets are simply just going to ignore him next time. They're, and any hope he's got of, of moving markets, so they'll just be, do you know what, we've you've yeah. cried wolf so many times. We're, well, talking that, of moving of markets, problem. I mean, you know, we, we talked, but we've obviously been talking about, a bit about the property market and... As you know, it's been an age-old bugbear of mine that the London market is is often ignored because people think it's just a lot of rich people who don't matter. <laughs> yeah. But actually, people forget that the top end of the London market is a very important market because people in London move because they want to, not because they need to. It's a very unusual market. And if you choke off the top end of the market, which is what's happening, it does have an effect all the way down the market. Mm. And it's one of the problems that London is having is, is having problems at the moment. And one of the things that happened last week, obviously, was the release of the latest stamp duty take figures, which were around just under nine billion, um, which was actually 